welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host, and whoo, <laughs> how are you guys? Anyone else stressing out about what the heck is going to go down for this school year this fall? Uh, if you're not watching, if you're not listening live, then um, we're about to go into the 2021 school year in the midst of the pandemic, where it seems to have like resurged. So uh, here we are. We're all just kind of clueless and um, trying to make plans for pretty much every direction that it can go. So. I am here with you guys, feeling it with you, uh, so I guess we'll just, we'll see. I'm sure that the plans they have now in mid-July is going to be a lot different than what they have in late August, so we are personally hoping for the boys to go back, but um, if not, you know, we're, we're totally good to homeschool. So, all right, if you are new, then welcome. I'm so glad you're here joining us. Every week, we dig into one of five main topics, faith, health, marriage, mindset, and finances, and this week is finance week. Okay, and it's my favorite. Also, somewhat of a PSA, real quick for everybody. Um, if you are listening live, kind of mid-July 2020, there is a pre-sale happening right now for my Money Mindset course, Entrusted with Her Finances. It'll go on probably for the next week or so. And the first 50 students, y'all, the first 50 students enrolled, I am offering a $70 discount for the course. Okay, there is a link to a page that kind of has more information and it scrolls through the curriculum of the course um, in the show notes of this episode and also on my website, which I'll talk about a little bit later. So if there is a gap between kind of your desired financial life and what you're living out right now, this course is going to be for you. Okay. Okay. Let's jump in. So I'm going to start by listing some hypothetical situations and I want you to think about if you have ever identified with any of them. Number one, you feel like you make a decent income, but you don't seem to have much left over at the end of the month. And you kind of wondering like, where the heck did all of our money go, right? Uh, number two, you feel like you should maybe have a bigger savings at this point in your life, but for some reason, it's just hard to accumulate extra money. Uh, what about if you struggle with kind of defaulting to an extreme, like that extreme can be spending or saving. And when I say extreme spending, I'm not really talking about any specific dollar amount. I mean, you find it really hard to say no to just about anything um, and really, really easy to say yes to everything, to anything that you want, anything your kids want, anything your partner wants, like just about anything. I mean, this happens to people in debt, you know, and it drives them deeper into the hole. And it also happens to those of those people who have a really large income who feel like they can kind of get by without a plan because they have this excess. And on the other hand, an extreme saver may on the outside look like they're maybe barely getting by because they don't really engage in anything frivolous, even maybe missing out on experiences that their peers are engaging in, just in order to feel like in complete control over their finances at all times. They often feel that every time they spend money, they have less security. Like it is completely related. Money equals security. Okay. And you guys, I could go on. So if you feel like you are maybe spinning your wheels financially and can't get traction, this episode is going to be for you. I want to circle around three main points in this episode. So first things first, we're going to talk about some financial literacy and the lack of education around this. The second is we're going to talk about kind of the how to get out of debt process and why it actually has two parts. And then the third is going to be talking about what that first part of getting out of debt looks like and why it's so daggone important, okay? 
So first, let's chat about financial literacy. And when I say financial literacy, y'all, I am specifically speaking about being confident and educated on earning income, like buying goods and services, investing, uh, using credit, saving, uh, even like protecting yourself and your wealth, and of course, generosity, okay? When I was in school, there was not a formal financial literacy class. Like there was math class <laughs> with some real world examples. And we talked about, you know, consumer versus producer and supply and demand and all of that stuff in social studies. But here's the problem. Number one, these quote unquote real world math problems were on a worksheet and the focus was not on the impact of interest rates or investing. The emphasis was on algebra or geometry or finding percentages and getting the right answer, right? And once you had the correct answer, like we moved on to the next problem. These word problems about investing and interest rates were just a means to an end to get a math calculation correct. Like there was no conversation after we finished a math problem to dissect how much you would actually pay in interest over like a 30-year mortgage versus a 15 and yada, 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 right? There was no stopping to really talk about the weight of how much money you could, you know, lose or whatever, like on a 30-year mortgage or whatever the heck the um, problem was about. The point to the problem was, again, not to learn real world problems. <laughs> it was just to calculate numbers and get the correct answer. Now, Common Core, I know everybody loves Common Core, but Common Core, the last I checked, has a little bit more of an intentional approach to financial literacy. And I think that's great. But at the risk of sounding like literally no one can get it right, what 17-year-old, y'all, in their right mind is actually absorbing this information in a way that it really resonates? I mean, I would say virtually none. <laughs> and this has been the way we have operated for decades. Like I couldn't care less about calculating mortgages and taxes and interest and different types of, you know, home loans until I was actually buying a house. But the problem is, is that I was buying a house at 23. And it had been six years since I sat in that math class. And if I tried to like rack my brain to remember all that mortgage, you know, example, on that worksheet, I mean, that's just dumb. Like what? First of all, that's dumb. Second of all, who's going to remember that, right? And there's just no impact there. I mean, I could barely remember that I put a load of laundry in that needs to be flipped to the dryer, right? So the fact that I need to go back six years to some worksheet I, worksheet I did my junior year, like no, out of sight, out of mind. And unless you pursued a finance degree, y'all, you aren't required to take some kind of financial literacy course in college. So essentially, the majority of our formal financial literacy skills came from a time when we were teenagers with our eyes and our hearts kind of set on, you know, falling in love and graduating and in college, college we're going to go to or what trade school we're going to go to, having babies, like whatever, right? Like we couldn't give a freaking rip about a home mortgage. And for a lot of people, it's not until we wake up in our mid-20s that we realize, we don't really know what the heck is going on. Like, we don't really know how money works. But once you hit your, you know, mid-20s or mid-30s or it, whenever, right? Now you're paying attention <laughs> because you're struggling in some capacity with finances, like most people. But now there's not a practical class to take, right? So we like frantically Google how to get out of debt or how to budget or how to invest. And we do this in the privacy of our homes because Lord knows 
it would be, you know, taboo to ask someone for help, good Lord, or, or just how embarrassing would it be to ask a friend to teach me how to freaking do a budget, right? Or even more intimate, what would they think if they saw how much I actually made and how poorly I managed it? Or vice versa, how little you made and how much you spent. I mean, it seems like such a basic thing, just finances in general, right? It seems like such a basic thing that we should have learned already. And y'all, we know we learned it. Like we were like, dang it, we should have paid attention back then, right? And now you're freaking, you know, 25 or you're 30 or you're 40 and you're like, dang it. <laughs> now what do I do, right? And, and then you have a family and kids. So, okay, so what do we do? All right. Well, number one, we need to start to have this conversation. Like we have to be able to come okay with asking questions. And we also have to be okay to just seek advice from those who have walked this path before us and who have the wisdom. Like it's also really important that we humble ourselves, that we're not afraid to be open and vulnerable and to shine a light on the areas that we are deficient in. We have to be women of action though. Like without investing in yourself, your education and putting that knowledge into action, we're just exposing ourselves to more risk and potentially much larger consequences down the road. Like whether you are continually learning through books or events you go to or courses or mentors, you should have some sort of continued education plan like for your life, right? We have it for our jobs. Like if you are a nurse, you have continued education. If you're a teacher, continued education. You have to do so many hours for foster care. We have to do 40 hours every two years, right? And so, you know, there's life topics, y'all, where we, we really need to have some kind of intentional plan to just grow in these areas. Okay, so let's talk about the second topic or issue that I've noticed over just our journey to get where we are financially. And listen, remember, I'm talking from my own experiences here, okay? If you have not listened to my journey financially, there is literally an episode a couple back that is our journey to financial freedom. So if you ever feel like, who the heck is this chick and why is she like talking at me <laughs> about finances, please go listen to that episode. We've been dumb with finances. We have been smart with finances. We're just on the other side. Um, so I love talking about it now, okay? So the other issue I see is that people are so eager, this was me too, okay, so eager for the how to fix their current issue financially instead of the underlying why <laughs> they are where they are. And you guys, it's not usually until someone hits that tipping point where, you know, they're in over their heads or something happens to wake them up that they're ready to take real action. And I mean, let's pause, right? Like this is a good thing. Like a convicting moment or an experience is what it takes sometimes to wake us up. I mean, that's what happened to us. And it's so easy to drift with our finances when we are still comfortable. It's not usually until something like jarring happens and we feel overwhelmed that we really look up and think, how the heck did we get here? And in that thought process, and I'll say it again, and that thought process is where we start to look for help. Why did we not search for help before we had that feeling of overwhelm? Well, because the way we feel drives how we act. And why the heck would we change anything if we felt totally fine? And why did we not feel that intense need for a reboot or like that intense overwhelm before? Well, I mean, you thought you were safe or at least comfortable in your financial situation. But once something 
wakes us up, so to speak, that makes us start thinking something different. And then we start to feel something different like overwhelm or whatever. And then that overwhelm drives action. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're working, just normal job, whatever. And you think you are putting a decent amount of money into retirement because, you know, you set it up when you started and picked an arbitrary number that seemed like a lot at the time and it comes out every paycheck and you're checking that box, right? You got your retirement down. Well, let's say you're driving one day and you hear on the radio that in order to retire comfortably, you should have, you know, X amount of money in the retirement by the time you're 30. Hmm. You think I'm 30. (laughs) I'm going to go check and see how much mine is, right? Or how much is in mine. And you check it and you see that the number you have in there is only half of what this person suggested. So now what happens? You start to think that maybe you didn't, you don't have enough. Maybe you haven't been putting enough into your retirement account. And then you start to feel anxious or nervous, like you aren't going to be able to retire with enough because you know, like getting money in earlier for your retirement is the most effective way to invest with retirement. So now that you feel anxious, which let me remind you, You didn't feel that at all before you heard this person, you know, on the radio talk about the number that you should have for a secure retirement. Now you feel though, you're behind, right? And you're anxiously on Google all of a sudden, like how much should I have in my retirement at 30? Or what are different ways to invest for retirement? Or how do I know if I'm on track to retire securely, right? Like we just go to town on Google because we're freaking out. Let me share another example. Let's say you hear that the average American household is about $137,000 in debt, including mortgage, and you hear that number and you're like, no way, (laughs) no way, we don't have that much debt. But then you start thinking about it and you go home and you kind of check all your numbers and realize not only is that number accurate, but you're actually $153,000 in debt, almost $20,000 over the national average. And this starts to make you feel anxious or frustrated with maybe the student loans you have. And now the car payments are like, you know, a pain point. (laughs) Or maybe you're like embarrassed over the reality of your credit card balance that you didn't realize got that high and whatever else. But then it drives you to do something. It drives you to change something because you are aware. And then again, though, the most immediate thing we do is what? We Google. (laughs) How do we get out of debt? how to get out of debt fast, how to get rid of debt, like whatever, the list goes on. And there are answers to these questions all over the internet. And they're good answers. They're great answers. But what if I told you like you are jumping the gun a little bit here when you ask those types of questions? What if I told you that those questions, though good and great, are kind of the part two of getting out of debt? These questions skip over something incredibly important which leads me to our third point for this episode. What the heck is step one then, Stephanie? (laughs) And actually, I don't even know if step one is the right term because it's less of like a linear process I've learned and more of a building upon itself kind of process. Like the way that we think about money, you guys, matters. Like I showed in the stories I just talked about. But the true root cause of why we think the things we think about money matters even more because it drives the way we feel, which then, like I said, drives the way we act. So let me tell you a personal story that I have had to work through as an adult. 
And I'm going to be somewhat vague because I just want to respect this person who I love so, so much and never had any intention to give me any kind of, you know, money blocks or money issues. And in my course, Entrusted, I dig a little deeper into these stories and share a little bit more because it's more just of an intimate setting, right? But this podcast is a public platform, so we just ain't going there. We ain't going all those places. Okay. So with that said, so I was an athlete growing up. I played sports year round. Uh, In high school, I played volleyball. And someone close to me always promised that they would be at my games. And long story short, y'all, I spent more times looking up in those stands, like searching for this person uh, than I would like to admit. And still to this day, now that my kids are in sports, if someone like their grandparents or aunts or uncles or my, whoever, anyone, literally anyone, tells me that they're going to come and watch my kids play, I just let it be a surprise. I never tell them, hey, this person's coming to watch your game. Like I refuse to have my kids spend their entire soccer game or football game or whatever with split attention and a breaking heart during their game if that person doesn't show up to the game. That's a separate issue that I clearly need to work through, but this is tying it back in right here. So after each game, I would get back to my locker room and I would always have a voicemail (laughs) on my phone. And the voicemail would talk about how this person had, you know, something come up at work and couldn't make it. But man, if if this deal would just work out, we could, we would make so much money, like even millions possibly, right? Like this person was a dreamer. And unfortunately, like they never made their millions and they never really captured their dream, you know, in spite of all their efforts. And there were two things I took away as foundational beliefs about money from this. The first was that no amount of money was worth missing time with my family and being present or available to them. Zero amount of money. The second was a fear to really just go for it and dream and put tons of effort into achieving some success and just as a natural consequence, like lose time with my family as a part of that chase and then fail on both fronts, like fail with my family and my business. And you guys, I absolutely adore this person in my life. Like they are one of my biggest affirmers in life and in business to this day. And I know, I know that their intentions to, you know, chase and catch their dream or whatever, they were all for the right reasons. And I felt that, you know, providing a great life for their family would ultimately make up in the long run for just missed time, but y'all, it didn't, just didn't. And this has been a real anxiety I have carried into adulthood from just watching this play out in their money journey. You know, they were a dreamer (laughs) and they absolutely gave me my passion to dream big and to build something and change the world. And that is something that I'm so, so grateful for. From all of this, though, the one thing that really stuck with me is that like money didn't matter. I couldn't care less as a kid about what kind of money they made, right? Or the potential they had to make because I just, I just wanted them. Like I just wanted them at a game. And I actually still, um, I still place very little uh, value on wealth and material possessions. And I really, I'm getting emotional right now, (laughs) but this is what I'm saying. Like money is really emotional uh, for so many reasons, but either way, like I trace this like very little or like that I don't really have a huge tie to money back to this experience. But can you imagine this internal conflict that this created for me as these strong desires in my heart continue to push me towards building my own business? Like being an entrepreneur, like I feel like I grew up, saw that. 
<laughs> didn't work out, you know, how people wanted it to. So here I am as a stay-at-home mom with this newfound conviction to help women and mothers and to teach them and to create a platform and just build content. And y'all, I'm trying to do all of this with my four to seven kids around, right? Where every extras pop in every now and again with foster care. And they're small. <laughs> my oldest is not even a second grader yet, okay? So it is nearly impossible for me to sit down and have a like thought <laughs> when I'm getting, um, you know, asked to wipe the kid's butt or like I'm asking to get a, asked to get a daggone drink of milk again or whatever. Like I am so distracted all day long. Do you know how hard it is? <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to have like a continued, um, well put together thought where I'm like putting it out into the universe for other people to help other people when I can't get two seconds with undistracted time. Y'all, I finally broke down after about four months of struggling on both fronts. And I got a sitter for one day a week for five hours just so that I can have some dedicated distraction free time to work on content for you guys in the podcast and whatever else. And if I'm being totally honest, y'all, I felt guilty as hell. Like, and then I felt even more guilty when I had this course that I'm talking about um, in this episode, Entrusted, and my other course. <laughs> if you followed me at all, you know that I'm working on two financial courses. This one I'm talking about today is more that money mindset. The other one is more of like a logistical how to get out of debt. But y'all, once those got put on my heart, I knew like five hours a week wasn't going to cut it. Like I really had to have someone sit down with me and say, Stephanie, you are a stay-at-home mom now, and your kids literally get you all day, every day. And for you to spend even 10 hours a week away from them while they have an amazing and engaged sitter, they absolutely adore, I'm being serious, y'all, we found a unicorn, it's fine. And it's even, it's healthy. It's fine. You know, and I had to trust that God put this um, mission on my heart, and he has resourced me in all the ways that he can to share this message and be everything I need to be for my family at the same time. So without going any more into that story, can you see how these like fundamental subconscious foundations form in our life? Like the way I grew up making money, being an entrepreneur or having my own business equaled absence or even abandonment. And this made me self-sabotage the good business and desires that I had, even when the situation of what I'm doing and this person that I'm talking about, what they did, it's completely different. It's completely different, right? The truth is, is that I love my work and my family and I, my kids have me the majority of the time. I don't miss games. I don't miss events. Like I have kind of shone a light on this barrier of mine. And I learned to recognize the unhealthy mindset before it took over. There is a quote from Barbara Stanley, now Houston, um, from the book Secrets of Six Figure Women that she wrote. And she's actually going to be on the podcast, you guys, later this year. But it sums the point of this process up perfectly. She says, the challenge, she's talking about just money mindset work here. The challenge is to bring these beliefs into awareness so you can consciously decide if they are serving you or sabotaging you. And in my case, they were sabotaging me, 
really unknowingly until I figured out what thoughts were causing all of these feelings of guilt for me to get a sitter five hours a week, right? I mean, and I had come from getting a sitter 50 hours a week when I was working full time. So why all of a sudden is five hours this huge, huge deal? And it is connected to entrepreneurship. It's connected to this like dreamer mentality. It's connected to my childhood. That was different. And in my money mindset course, Entrusted with Her Finances, I go way deeper into this and I invite you into this thought process and into this conversation. Like there is an entire lesson, you guys, dedicated to working through when someone you love passes down money trauma to you. And let me tell you, it is one thing to recognize that it's there. It is a whole other thing to be emotionally ready or willing to call it what it is, especially, especially if it's someone you love and you knew that their intent was never, ever to hurt you. But the truth is, is that regardless of intent, impact still remains right? And this is why I have created this course. Like we have all been impacted in some way by money, regardless if we grew up with a little bit or a lot. Thought work is not sexy, you guys. <laughs> as the, it's not as sexy as like the seemingly productive Excel sheets and the budgeting and all of that like fun <laughs> looking stuff. It's not as quick of a fix as tracking your money and working through paying off debt. And listen, like, yes, you need to start making steps to get out of debt, but I would be amiss as a coach or a mentor or however you viewed me if I didn't shoot it to you straight. Like getting out of debt is what you want, but money mindset work is what you need. And as I get older, I'm not so much impressed by like surface level change in myself or really in others. Nobody has time for that especially as women, especially as moms. And the other thing is that when you create space to do mindset work with money, like that grind around getting out of debt is so much easier. It's rewarding and it's so much more likely to stick and become a lifestyle rather than, um, you know, just, okay, we can't spend money. We can't spend money. We're trying to get out of debt. We're trying to get, no, it's, it changes your heart and your thought process and how you feel, right? And it's the same kind of thing that can be seen with, seen with uh, weight loss. I mean, we all know how to lose weight, right? Like you eat less calories than you burn. It's pretty much that simple. I mean, throw in some hormone stuff. It's not really that simple, but on like a, on an intellectual level, we get it. But knowing what to do is rarely ever the freaking issue, right? Like we can Google what to do in a hot second. It's changing your mindset on, if we stick with this example, it's changing your mindset on how you should eat, why you should eat, what you should eat, right? And breaking down that subconscious barrier is really the only way to have like a sustainable weight loss because you're not dieting. Screw dieting. <laughs> Listen to that episode with Dr. Heather Rhodes a couple uh, episodes back. Like that that dieting cycle is, is horrible for us, right? It's about living a different lifestyle and living with a different purpose. That is how true change happens. And so again, on that action level, if you just grind, we can't spend anything, we can't spend anything, we got to get out of debt, we got to get out of debt, fine. But A, that's miserable for everyone. Um, and B, it's probably not sustainable, right? Debt, getting out of debt is a long-term game, at least a couple years if you are like really in it. 
Same thing with eating. Like if you're just like, can't have that cake, can't have that cake, can't have that brownie, uh, you're going to cave. You're going to cave. And it has it has nothing to do with willpower. It's, it's just internal and deeper work that needs to be done. And so bringing it back, now when I get crippled with guilt for spending my five hours on my business, I can acknowledge why that feeling even came up. Well, be, why did that even come up? Because I was thinking that work equaled abandonment. And then I remind myself of the truth. Actually, I'm with my kids constantly and am not and I have not abandoned them. They are literally down the hallway in my living room, right? Because I work from home still. I, my five hours that I get, I still, I work in my bedroom. <laughs> my sitter is out in the, in the living room with them, okay? And then I just take a second to hold that, understand why it's there, understand why I'm feeling like that, and then I just let it go. I let it go. And then I can refocus and I can get to work. Now, without going through that thought work, without realizing <laughs> where all of that guilt and that feeling is coming from and those thoughts were coming from, I would have felt guilty for the whole entire five hours. Y'all have been there, right? I'd have been way less productive because I couldn't focus. And what would happen? I would spend time away from my children working and then my work would fail because I couldn't actually focus on my work when I was away from my children. And what did I say my biggest fear was? My biggest fear was losing time with my children and having a business that failed, right? Like nothing worked and so I just missed out on all of it. And that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is self-sabotage. It's almost where our subconscious can make us, um, like I like this perfect, perfect term, make us fulfill this self-fulfilling prophecy of what we're terrified of, right? And if you don't understand that's there, if you don't identify that, y'all, we can get in some serious trouble. And so that simple block could have had me never develop a business, that could change the lives of mothers across the world, which is my heart, right? This podcast, y'all, has been downloaded in like 27 countries. What? That's crazy, right? And, and I would have missed the impact that this has on our family and the community that we have started and whatever, right? Like, how sad is that? I mean, seriously. Like, God has resourced each of you to do incredible things, but without doing the mindset work, we could be missing the incredible blessings that he has for us. And money mindset work explains why you feel the way you do when money is involved. And the thing is, money touches every part of our lives. It touches our marriage and our lifestyle, our jobs, our kids, our freaking friendships. Like it resources our passion and it drives the world that we live in. It also impacts the number of people that you can help and connect with. And the cool thing is when you commit to doing this work, of just mindset with your money, you're going to see growth in other sometimes unexpected areas as well. Like I said, with your marriage or with your friendships or whatever else. And right now, you guys entrusted the Money Mindset course is in a short pre-sale window, kind of short period here. The course is almost complete and it is filled with just amazing content and stories and um, a journal with prompts to help you work through everything that you're going to be feeling or, you know, whatever road <laughs> this is going to take you down. And it's really here just to help you overcome, you know, your individual money story. It's here to guide you. It's here to prime you for lasting success, you know, with your finances, no matter where you are, 
in your story. And here's the fun part, you guys. During this pre-sale that is happening right now, um, the first 50 students are getting a $70 off discount, and y'all are going to be considered founding members of this course. So for those of you who are already um, enrolled, I am so excited. I can't even tell you once I started getting those notifications in. I was like jumping up and down, okay? So I am excited. I hope you guys all join us. One of my favorite quotes is this. It ran in your family until it ran into you. God says, you have been anointed to break the cycle. Generational change starts with you. It starts with us, you guys. So to check out more information on the Entrusted course, see the full curriculum or, you know, some frequently asked questions or whatever, just head over to the link in the show notes of this episode or head to Sims Arrows, S-I-M-S Arrows.com for more information and to sign up. I cannot tell you again how excited I am for those of you who are already in there. It is going to be an amazing, an amazing journey and cheers to you all for seeking to build a firm foundation with your finances. Join me in the next episode where we will transition into faith week. I have an interview with Jessica Lewis, who is the author of the gratitude journal devotional. And y'all, it is amazing. If you are a parent struggling at all with tangible ways to teach your kid how to, you know, do prayer and with gratitude or thoughtfulness, you have got to listen to this interview. It is such a beautiful story of a mama (laughs) seeing some undesirable traits rising up in her kiddo, don't we all, right? And realizing there was something she could do about it. And a couple years later now, there is a night and day difference between this child and she talks all about it. So I am so excited, you guys, to have this conversation with you next week and to continue to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. 